I'm Desiree. And I'm Taylor. You're tuned into Birthkeeper Banter, a space to discuss powerful birth stories, radical birthkeeping, and all things birth outside of the box. This podcast is produced by Herbal Training, and nothing discussed should be considered medical advice because birth is not a medical event. For classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Hey, everyone. A few episodes ago, Taylor had shared a bit about herself, her passions, what makes her tick, um, things that just set her heart on fire. And I'm going to do the same. I'm going to share a bit about myself and what is super important to me, mostly what my passions are, where my heart is. So number one, home birth is hands down my greatest passion. I think about it 24-7 all day, all the time. Everything can be related to birth. It doesn't matter if we're at the grocery store, we're at the zoo. Everything can be related to pregnancy and birth and motherhood, every single thing. So that's what my brain thinks about all the time. And I will go more into that uh, later in this podcast, more specific things with the topic of birth and what my passions are in that regard. But there's other things outside of that that are also very important to me. And you know, might be different from others that I'm passionate about. One is spirit baby connections. So communicating with souls that are coming, that aren't here yet. Um, Also communicating with spirits in general. That's a big thing for me. Um, I've communicated with spirits for, I don't know what, four or five years now. Um, That's been something that I didn't always have. It was not always activated for myself. I wasn't always open to those things. And then once I was, it kind of just, woo, it kind of poured in. Um, Yeah. So the spirit babies is my big thing. My fourth baby, he came to me and told me that he was uh, coming and I was his mom. And there was a good three months where I thought I was crazy and schizophrenic. I told no one because that's crazy, right? Um, but it wasn't. And I eventually learned and I read more and I'm like, wow, this is a thing. People experience this. And what's crazy is he's what, three and a half, four. And he, his personality is exactly the same as the boy that I had spoken with. I've gone on to speak with other spirit babies as well. Um, which I can't verify if their personalities are exactly the same, but with his, it's very much the same. Um, so yeah, communicating with spirits, my mom who had passed, what, going on three years, we've had a lot of conversations. We, we've talked and that was really neat. And it made it very different where when she passed and it's like, she's still here. She still talks to me and tells me stuff like funny stuff, uh, you know, supportive things, uh, during my labor with my last baby, she talked to me during that. And she told me she didn't talk like the whole time but she had mentioned there's two different times where she spoke to me and the one time she told me what time my baby would be born and at that time I was like no way am I going to be in labor that long this is my fifth kid I'm not going to be in labor that long I'm crazy but she was exactly right that's the exact time my baby was born um and I knew it was her I knew it I was like yep okay so yeah communicating with spirits is something that I'm passionate about I talk about it I know it's insanely controversial as a girl who grew up in the church with my dad on the board that was no I was always told that those are demons and those are evil things and I came to learn 
that that's not true, <laughs> like at all. That's not true. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. Another thing I'm insanely passionate about are drug addicts working specifically working with drug addicts um, and and incarcerated women and those who are freshly out of prison. I've worked with a good and plenty amount of women who are on MAP medications or street drugs themselves um, and those who are freshly out of prison and did not want to birth in the system. And it's a different group. It comes with its whole slew of different experiences, we'll say. All of their, per their births, I will say, we're all ducky. Everything's perfect with the birth. But just the experiences and how they communicate and um, their mind, different things like that. That's a passion of mine, largely because that's my past. That is my past. And I will always have, you know, a huge spot there for those kind of women and working with them, educating them and being there and not treating them the way that the mainstream does. They treat them pretty terribly and their care is not um, physiological, like the way that they handle baby afterwards with people that are on medications or are using drugs. They treat them like they're, they're a bad person or that they're dumb or that they don't love their baby sometimes. Um, yeah, so th those are some people that I'm very, very passionate about um, working with, but also supporting in general. That's a big box for me. Vaccines and circumcision, they were my first passion before home birth, before birth anything. That's what kind of led me there because um, I had vaccinated my first baby up till two, second baby for six months until she started having terrible reactions and her face broke out in this huge rash. She stopped making eye contact, stopped crawling, um, stopped making the the sounds that she was making, the babbling that discontinued. And the doctors told me that that was normal. And my mama instincts were like, fuck this, no. <laughs> and I started researching, which I should have done way prior. I didn't. Um, and I learned that, yeah, that's not the way. So I'm really passionate about vaccines. I do think that they are here. I agree with Taylor and her sharing that it is population control. It does a great job. It's also fertility control. Uh, there's ingredients in these vaccines that are known to cause sterility in humans. It has been tested. It is proven with those ingredients. And when we read the ingredients of the vaccine and they are the same thing, we should put those two together. So vaccines is something that I learned a lot about um, I kicked myself a lot for, you know, why did I let my kids go through this? I should have researched this sooner. Um, but yeah, that's one other box I'm pretty knowledgeable in. Circumcision, um, if my first two, they were girls, if they would have been boys, they would have probably been circumcised because I was not versed. I conceived my third baby and it was my first boy. And this mom reached out ever so kindly and was like, hey, can I tell you about circumcision and just give you some insight and maybe share some information with you? And I was like, absolutely. Like, yeah, because I wanted to be the best mom that I could be. I wanted to do the best I could. And she sent me these infographs and it just went from there. I connected with other moms and it was like, wow, there is so much sickness behind that. And the reason that they do those things to boys, like they can't do them to girls here in America. They cannot that is illegal. It's been for many, many years. And 
they're still doing it to boys and that's not okay. So those are two things that are a big passion of mine. Another is homeschooling. I'm very big on that. I don't believe that the public school system is well for children, even private schools, even for the most part. The whole sit down, learn, listen to me, do these papers, here's homework. That is not the most beneficial in my mind for children and their growth and their development, especially in the world with how it is now. Like a lot of the kids, they don't get love at home. So what do they do with that? They display the lack of love in these places around our babies. So homeschooling is another thing that I'm super passionate about and keeping my kids home and doing things with them um, to teach them outside of. We're big on unschooling. We don't do the curriculum. We don't do it. You know, we do do paper worksheets here and there. They ask to, and we'll have workbooks, and but nothing's forced. And when we don't force it, they desire to learn and they ask to learn and they engage in learning, all of them differently and at their own pace and different ages. But I don't know. I just find it's beautiful um, watching as my kids grow. My oldest is eight uh, right now, and my youngest is what almost a year old. So she's not doing homeschool, but the two that are eight and seven, we're, we're seeing a great change in them and their desire to learn. I think it's, I think it's awesome that they have like a desire instead of, oh, we're going to force you to read this book, force you to do this thing. Another thing that I am passionate about is sex and women's pleasure. I'm very big on sex. I like to talk about it. I'm very open, not really so much I don't go around talking about my sex life, but with women that want to talk about it, let's talk about it. I think it's very important that women have orgasms and whoever they're with, they're receiving those from them and like teaching women how to figure out their body and explore it, explore, explore what feels good because we should not be going without, we should not be thinking this is a duty for my partner. This is a mutual thing and also we can please ourselves all by ourselves we don't need anyone else we could do that all by ourselves and the different things that you can do different um, bodily functions that not everyone knows is possible um, as women that we can do and experience and feel and enjoy that's something else that I'm I'm pretty passionate about not really probably sure about that much but that is something that is like yes this is big on my heart community and how women treat one another that's another thing that is like big for me um because I didn't have community I did not have women treating me correctly especially in the birth world I've been you know mistreated ripped around had all kinds of slander and stuff happen with that and over many years but that is important to me. And that's something that I am very passionate about offering to others is the community. You have someone you can bank on right here. I'm going to show up. I will always show up. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And I'm going to treat you in the way I would want to be treated. And if I don't, and I had a bad day, I'm going to sit with it. And then I'm probably going to come back and I'm be like, hey, I'm sorry that I said this or that I had a hard time processing whatever it was. Um, being well in our community and supporting people and treating people right. That's a big thing. And we're going to talk about that in the midwifery cohort um, in how we treat people. And what do we do when people treat us differently? Of course, that's pertaining to birth work and midwifery and things like that. But we talked about that. And why? Why do people do that? There's reasons. 
there's significant reasons as to why people do those things hurt one another. And we're gonna talk about that too. Another thing that is big on my heart is women's rights. Big, I'm big on women's rights in full everything, all the boxes, but also the verbiage used. So saying things like um, she, when it's a she is very important to me. If you're getting what I'm saying. Um, I think that it's important that we use the correct terminology to define women because there are things in place, okay, like Title IX, which protects women's safe spaces, signed by Nixon in June of 1972, um, that protects women and keeps them safe. If we blur the line of what is a woman, a person with the chromosome of XX, they have no Y chromosome, it protects them, makes sure that they have safe spaces and that nobody can violate them in those spaces that are of the other gender. And I think that it's very important that we use the correct terminology um, to make sure that we don't erase the word female, the word woman. And that, you know, if we do, that erases these rights and the things that our ancestors fought heavily for to have them be safe. We don't wanna blur that and just say, oh, we're all the same and we can all go wherever and be in the same spaces. No, 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 no. Especially as someone who was um, in prison and also in um, homeless shelters where we weren't allowed to have men there for great reason. We weren't allowed to have them there. And I want for that to continue. I want for women to have those safe spaces. Um, there was a time where I used to use very, fluid language, <clears throat> excuse me, very fluid language. And the more I learned about it, the more books I read, there's a book called Female Erasure, read it, it's phenomenal. Um, whenever I learned about those things, I was like, I cannot do this. This is a disservice to all of the women, especially my ancestors that fought for us to be safe. So women's rights, the verbiage we use, Title IX, female erasure, big things, big, big, big important things for me. Um, we can be inclusive. We can be kind with everybody. We can, you know, support every single one. Yes, I can. And yes, you can. And yes, we all can. But we also need to be mindful of the words that we use and the power that they hold long term. Another thing would be cannabis. <clears throat> I'm really big with cannabis. I think that it is a healing medicine in pregnancy, while breastfeeding, in motherhood. Um, even before all of those things, it can be used to aid so many different things. And I'm very in support of it. I know that a lot of uh, people will find that that's controversial or they'll, you know, some people will think that that's terrible, but this is something I'm real big on. Psilocybin as well, uh, I guess, what do you call magic mushrooms or whatever. Psilocybin is also, I find very, very healing, especially for the brain, anything that's misaligned or unwellness. I think that psilocybin is super, super, healing and beneficial for most people that would decide to use those things. I don't see them as drugs and I don't think that I ever will, no. Another thing that I'm really big on and I, it's one of my big preach boxes is that the mind impacts outcome of anything. So if our mind believes that we are never going to be successful, do you know that you are not ever going to be successful? Because our mind is the control center for the rest of the body. It tells it what to do. So if we tell ourselves we are not going to ever be successful in whatever, 
we are not going to make money. We are not able to buy a house. That's not possible. There's no way. Then guess what? There's no way. And it's not going to happen. And it's not just with birth. Like, you know, I preach about it with birth, but it's not. It's in career, um, acquiring money, building a family, uh, buying a home, like anything, literally anything in the world. Your mind impacts that. And I think that people, they don't realize how strong our mind is. If we tell ourselves we're sick, I'm sick. Oh, I'm so sick. Guess what? You're going to be sick. You're going to stay sick until you say, I am not sick. I am well. I'm going to be well. I am well right now. And I will continue to be well. Your body's going to get with it because you're going to be well. The mind has such a huge impact on that. Of course, there's other things, environment and what we put into our bodies. And, you know, there's so many other things there, but the mind, it holds so much impact. Autonomy is the last one before we dive into the birth stuff. Autonomy is huge for me. That is one of my biggest passions. It does not have to be applicable to birth. Autonomy in anything at all, any choices, anything. I'm very, very big on people having autonomous choice of whatever and that being respected, whether it's something I don't agree with or something that others don't agree with, they should be respected in their choices and be offered complete autonomy in whatever that might be. Back to my primary passion, which is birth. There's a few topics here that are applicable to that. And I want to talk about those because this is my heart. And a lot of these things will be covered in the midwifery cohort or further explained or, you know, things like that. Traditional midwifery is one of my big passions. Traditional, especially, we're using holistic care, looking at mind, body, spirit, and physical, um, but also utilizing medicines of the earth, not medicines of the world. You know, there's a time and place for everything, yes, but we should be using these traditional ways and the traditional practices and having hand skills, the things that aren't taught to OBs and things like that. That's very important to me. Walking with women is how I see it. We are walking with these families. We are joining them alongside. We are not the governor. We are not the boss. We are not the teacher. We're not the, we're not the top guy. They're the top guy. We're just walking beside them, holding their hand. I firmly believe that it is, it is a calling. It is not a career. This is not a career. Does it turn into be a career? Mm, yeah, I guess by definition, but this is not. This is a calling, very much so. I also feel that all of those that attend, whatever the title, we all walk different paths, um, especially those who are attending in the primary role of, of, of a midwife. You're the, you're the, you know, you're not the doula. You're, you're the one that's there as the midwife role or a traditional attendant, whatever you need to call yourself legally. The walks are different. We're going to see different things. And we'll talk about that later, but we will all have different things. Some of us might see completely straightforward births. Others might see everything under the sun um, during their time attending. And it, we don't get to beg. It is a spirit journey. It is a soul journey of not just the families we serve, the mom and the baby and their family. Also for us, significant, significant soul journey is what midwifery walks are, the walks that we have with our families. Another thing I like to mention is that we don't have control over those walks and how they go. 
we don't know what we're going to see. We just know that we're dedicated to be with this family and whatever they're going to walk in. And we're going to walk with them. We're going to hold their hand. If everything's on fire, we're in the fire and we're, we're helping them get through it. Whatever that is, we're putting it out with them. Um, yeah, we walk with women. Um, being called and not chosen. That's another thing for myself. I did not choose to be a birth attendant. I did not choose to be a midwife. Like that was never my, oh, I'm going to go do this. I won't go into that. We talk about that. Um, season three, episode 21, Birthwork Origins. I share my story and kind of how I got to where I am and why. A little bit more of my passions and whatnot you can hear there. But it talks about my journey and how I got into things, why I'm in doing what I'm doing now and why my heart's on fire for it. I don't agree with regulating birth or licensing or certifying midwives. Um, number one, birth can't be regulated. You cannot, you cannot regulate birth. Birth does not give a shit about our rules or what we think it should be or the box that's normal. Typically it's gonna be in that box of normal, but I've also seen way, way, way many cases of, nope, it's outside this box and we're still okay. We, we can't regulate it. You cannot regulate it, put time frames and caps. And there's, you can have set like guidelines of hmm, maybe consider things in this regard if it goes outside of this, but we cannot regulate that. We also cannot regulate the attendant because when we do that, we end up limiting her and her ability to serve the families and what she's able to offer them. I think I could speak about that for days and have my own whole separate podcast on that one. Uh, but we will definitely discuss that in the Midwife Free Cohort about licensing and how that doesn't protect us and why it's not a good idea and it only limits the attendance and also the families. It just takes away from everyone uh, involved. It's not here to protect or make things safe. It does not. We cannot make birth safe. We are not God, neither is the state. So. I am not in favor. I don't agree with that. You will not find me licensing. You will not find me certifying with a midwifery board to govern me. That will never be the case. I will always work for my families and I will serve them. Um, they will be who I answer to. Another thing that might make me a little different than some other midwives is that I am 1000% in support of free birth and unassisted birth. I I started there. That's where everything started for me was my my first free birth. And from there, it just whoop, flipped my world upside down, spun me and set me on my way. And I'm very in support. I do work alongside free birth women. I offer different things for them um, when they need uh, whatever it would be for their journey. I help them with those things. I work with them counsel many. I'm very much in support of those that choose to birth in that way. If they desire to, who am I to say? What's Who's fit, who's not, and who needs to have a person who doesn't? I very much support that. Um, I'd say a good many of my clients that I've had in the past uh, that I attended, they've gone on to birth unassisted or had a free birth, whatever they want to label it as. They would go on to do that themselves and not have me there. Some of them would have me come over after, maybe weigh baby or um, come cut up their, their placenta, things like that. I am so in support of that and people choosing that, in my opinion, in those situations, it, 
It just says that I did my job. I did my job. They felt confident enough to not meet me this time. Phenomenal, wonderful, very much in support uh, of all free birth, those who choose unassisted birth everywhere. Another thing that is super important to me and that I talk extensively about in the cohort and cover are the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum. All of it, even through motherhood, really, because all of those things hold an impact on the physical. The physical is important, sure. Yeah, we can, we can do the prenatal evaluations and do all the things, but we also need to be paying mind to all of the other boxes or we are not offering competent care. We must meet all of those boxes and assess each, care for each, and, you know, be there for all of those things. Talk about all of those things with the ladies we walk with. We cannot just look at the physical and do the evaluations. Oh, well, the numbers are good. This is good. Well, how's our head? How's our head, sis? Because if our head's not cool, that's where we get those birth complications. So we'll talk a lot about that in the cohort as well. It's important for me to always give everything, give birth back to women so they are the ones left empowered. So all choices, um, if they wanna make any choices, I'd like to give it to them. If they're like, hey, I'm feeling this, I feel like something's wrong, I'll be like, well, what do you feel? Do you, do you feel like this is something that we need to address that's concerning? Or do you feel like this is just a concern from fear from your past experience? The, 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 things like that, that's just a generalized example. But we should always give it back to them because when they're like, yeah, I actually do think it's from a place of fear or I actually do think that this needs to be addressed. I'd like to have a lab. Either way, we're gonna do that. And that makes them feel empowered because they made the choice themselves. They were able to assess it themselves and they feel like they did it, not me. I didn't tell them what they had to do. It gives the power to them or like after they give birth saying that you did it, they did it. I did not save you. I did not have to be here. You could have done that without me. Give it to them always, they deserve that. That is not ours to take and be holding um, pride with. I've always been very big on that. Another thing that I'm passionate about is end of pregnancy changing care providers. That is such a big thing. I feel like so many people believe that, oh, I'm what, 34, 36 weeks and I can't stand my provider, but I can't leave. Yes, you can, girl. Yes, you can, and you should. A lot of the women that I've, that I've attended, especially in my first three years, a lot of them came to me at the end, whether it was because they got dropped because they were past 42 or their numbers and stuff didn't check. So they were risked out of care or they just hated their OB or whatever it was. I would take people on. Yep, I will be there. There was two ladies that I attended the day I met them, <laughs> which was interesting. And they were actually both two weeks apart. Um, but yeah, people at the end of pregnancy, changing care providers is a passion. Yes, do it. Do not settle. Do not put yourself in an environment that you didn't feel well in. Do not feel those kind of feelings. Do not sit with that or make that your story. Go be with somebody else. There is always someone else, another option that you can choose that you can go be with. Uh, women of color and how they are treated. The BIPOC community, uh, I work with them a lot. I've worked with many families and the things I've seen, uh, especially in like transfer cases or where we have to get medical, whatever, and then, you know, come home 
things like that. The things I've seen is absolutely disgusting, the way that they treat them, the way they talk to them. And then if I step in the room, I'm, I'm this white girl, okay? I walk in the room and they start talking different. To me, that just floored me. I, I did not know that when that happened years ago. I was like, no. And if you look into the studies, that's something else that I've, I'm passionate about too. It, like, look at them, look at the numbers. They're, they're not treated the same. It is not equal. We are not an equal world. I firmly believe that the providers in the medical model are trained to treat them differently. Like it has to be. It, it's, it's very, you can't deny it. So working with them and helping them have the best experience they possibly can, especially at home. Let's do it at home because that's where we're probably going to be safest for those people. It's going to be safest there usually. Um, but that's a big, a big, big thing that I'm passionate about as well. Emergencies. I don't like them, but I am passionate about them. I've seen, I've seen things, um, a lot of things that a lot of my mentors have never seen. I've, I've just seen a lot. And that's one of my things that I'm, I'm passionate about. I, I like learning more and learning more about all the different things that can happen and how we address them and whatnot. This is something that I will teach a lot about and tell a lot of stories about in the cohort. The things that I've seen, what we did, what worked, what I would suggest doing next time, what I didn't do but should have done and you know would do going forward, all those things. We're gonna talk about all of that, um, especially with emergencies. There's so, so many that we're gonna be able to discuss in the cohort and they're all, I'm excited to share them. I'm so excited about it. I have a big passion there because I think that in sharing stories, we learn so much. So if I can share this story of this birth that happened and what I did, and you can carry that. And when you say something like that at your, at the birth you're attending, you are like, okay, this worked for her. Let's try it. And then, you know, I feel like that's a great way to learn is in the sharing of that and experience, sharing of story and experience. So that's a big thing that we'll be able to discuss in the cohort that I am very excited to contribute. Another thing that's really big for me is being open to changing in our work and the things that we do as, a, as an attendant. Um, for myself, I used to be very black and white and very like, this is how it is, very confident and man, did I get put in my humble chair? Yes, I did, uh, <laughs> like over and over. And it shifted me in what I do, how I do things, the way that I communicate with people, the way I see others and can respect where people are and meet them where they are and be able to teach what I do. Um, I'm able to teach better because of the things that I've witnessed and experienced. And just, yeah, we should always be open to change and changing how we do stuff. We should never be set in a way of, oh, I learned we should do this. We're always going to do this. No. Because like I said, we all have very different walks and our walks guide us and they teach us and we should follow that. We should not simply follow the path we've been. If we have to take this branch off here, we're branching off and we're going to do, we're going to change some things and we're going to go this way. We're not just going to be the resistance because that's where we run into issues and find complications. That's something else that we'll discuss even furthermore in the cohort. That's a bit about me. I mean, I have five kids. I love my kids. I love my husband. Um, I, I have a life, you know, outside of birth. There is 
other stuff. We have a homeschool family and we're here most of the time, but birth is my brain almost 24 seven. And that's my passion. If you have any questions about myself, I'd be happy to answer. You can comment um, and ask, I'm happy to reply. I did want to also add in the topics that I agree with that Taylor had shared about in hers, just a few of them. I also disagree with CPS use. I'm very much against it. I will never, ever, ever call CPS ever for any reason, no matter what. Nope, there's not that one situation. No, absolutely no. That is something I'm very much against for several reasons. Um, yeah. I'm not for surrogacy. It's a spiritual thing. It's, I find it to be a disservice to the families, uh, the baby, the baby, the person that birthed the baby, everyone. It is a significant spiritual and on a cellular level for the rest of their life, a disservice. I believe we have a podcast on this too. If you'd like to listen to that, that should be available. I agree that twins in breach um, in back, they have less risk at home than any regulated provider will lead on, than anyone would lead on, not just provider. They are most safe at home. The person attending, their mindset, and how they view birth, and their knowledge basis, all of those play a big part, yes. But they are usually safer at home. I agree with her in that. She had said maternal wounds and religion are the largest reasons for for war, hate, crime, and misery in the world. And I 1000% agree. That is very, 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 very true. And we could talk for days on those, on those two topics alone. Every woman should know their fertility in and out. Absolutely, yes. Fertility is one of my biggest passions too. I guess I had forgotten that. Um, I'm really big on teaching on fertility, fertility tracking, prevention of pregnancy, um, how to conceive, how to gender sway how to monitor your cycle, how to use different herbs to sway things, to balance things, or to, if you don't want to, um, if you're wanting to shed your uterine lining, how to do that, all kinds of things. Those are real big for me, the fertility box, but I agree, every woman should know their fertility. They should know their anatomy. They should be able to explore their internal anatomy um, and see their cervix, feel their cervix, understand their cervical mucus and what that means and where they're at in their cycle. That's a huge box that gets me giddy all the time. Everyone has the ability to be intuitive and deeply connected with the universe and spirit world. Absolutely. Yep. So that's, you know, that's my box. The spirit box is that's big for me, communicating and being uh, connected intuitively. Intuition is another one of my things that I'm really big on because I'm huge on that. If I did not have that, I could not be who I am in attending or in teaching because you feel it. You can feel it. I do, but you have to be connected. You have to be open to it, receptive to it, and be able to gauge and feel energy and read it and then respond. So everybody has that ability. We can all do it, but you have to be willing to. She also said that psychedelics and plant medicine can change your life. Absolutely. I said that earlier about the psilocybin and cannabis. Those are a big box for me. I'm passionate about those. Um, but yeah, those are the things I agree with her and a good bit about me. Like I said, if you have any questions, feel free to comment and ask and I'm happy to reply. I'm an open book and I'm very, very excited to share 
everything, my heart, uh, my experience, my what I know, what I feel, what I've seen with everybody in this cohort. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this awesome episode of Birthkeeper Banter. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can get notifications for future episodes. Again, for classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Brought to you by Herbal Training.